Hey, I'm Lisa Leith, and I'm the host of HR Nightmares, a YouTube channel and podcast, and I uh, want to thank you for tuning in. We want folks to wake up from their HR nightmares with realistic advice. And so um, we're coming from a place where we know the environment, where we do business in, and we work with clients. It's just like legalistic and complicated, and there's a lot of people out there that just need some solid advice from some HR experts, and that's what we're here to do. So... Um, happy to be recording today's episode with Beth. Hello. And Amy. Hi. <laughs> uh, and we're going to be focused on the topic of awareness, belonging, inclusion, diversity, and equity. Um, this is really important for HR nightmares because Lord knows, like, I, when I even say each one of those words, there's like a whole bunch of stuff in every workplace that can get unpacked in every single one of yeah. those buckets. Like from an HR nightmare standpoint, I'm just like, ooh, awareness, ah, yeah. uh, <laughs> diversity, ah, equity, ah. Uh, so we've got a special guest today, Joe Conway, and we're going to introduce him in just a couple of minutes. But um, I think a lot of times when you kind of rattle off, I know when I rattle off like all those words, awareness, belonging, inclusion, diversity, and equity, sometimes like especially for small businesses that we work with, it seems like heavy stuff and like really complicated and just like overwhelming. And that's like a thing over there for like big companies that I don't really want to tackle. So um, I guess what's been your strategy to just uncomplicate this for um, supervisors that you work with or businesses that you work with, um, any or all of it? What, how do you guys kind of approach this topic? Yeah, I mean, I think what's most important is that it can't just seem like this kind of topic that we have to do and is another priority. It has to be embedded into our culture and just kind of like who we are as an organization. And that's what's really hard, right? Because it's not always the, the seminar that you have here and the training program that you go through here. It's like, how do people actually feel when they come to this workplace? Is it equitable? Do we have fair compensation practices, right? Like, the way we promote, is it transparent? Um, and those are the things that just take daily practice, and that's what can get really overwhelming for companies because they feel like they have to overhaul everything. But yeah. it's really just looking at all of those practices and, and asking ourselves, like, let's be truthful, right? If I, if I was someone of diversity and a different classification, would I feel this is fair? Mm -hmm. Would it be clear that it's fair? And sometimes that's just adjusting how we communicate more than anything. I think that a lot of times people want to check off a box and so they will be like, oh, I saw this great workshop. We'll do the workshop. We'll check the box and then we'll go back to our old way. And you're exactly right. It has to be embedded. It has to be really part. It, it has to be embraced by the leadership and then it kind of comes down to everyone. But it really needs to be them and just to do it every day. Yeah. I started thinking about um, my own personal HR nightmares over the years, um, just like growing up in, yeah. first of all, Manhattan after college, um, and and just some interesting things. Like as I went to interview there, I was like having a nightmare, like an out of body experience, just thinking about some like horrible interviews that I had. Um, when I went to move to New York City and this one guy, he like looked at me across the desk, asked me no questions related to this role. And he was like, you're gonna be traveling a lot with me. And I was like, that feels so gross. Right. I went downstairs to my mom who was waiting for me in the lobby. My mom was waiting for me. You were young. And I was like, he said I'm going to travel a lot with him. Is that like normal? She's like, we are getting out of here. Um, 
And I remember when I first got the job in New York, I was working for a law firm, and um, one of the first meetings that I had, it was like I was owning like this like negotiation of the benefits. And this broker came in, and he, in the mid-sentence, he stopped. And for some reason, I think my youth offended him. And he was like, I've got boots older than you in my closet at home. And he was like laughing, like really patronizing. And I was just like, man, okay, I've got a long ways to go to like get some respect here. And I felt like it was because I was young woman um and he probably wouldn't have said that to maybe a young man i don't know but it was just like my experience um and then of course growing up in manufacturing and like moving um moving to the south um and dealing with you know working with and negotiating with the steel workers as like a 24 year old um that experience was was a bit rough mainly because um there were some like leaders in the plant that were calling me like valley girl so that felt good um, I was a corporate numbnut, I, I remember, who was just going to run back to headquarters eventually. I was like, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm only 24, but that sounds like something I might do. Uh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then I, was, I was just like jotting down like all these horrible like experiences yeah. that just like make you who you are. But as a, as a woman, like I feel like we all kind of have some of these and I, I, I want to hear about yours. But um, the last one was like I had lost like a little bit of weight or something. And this, it was like a colleague of mine. Um, who was pretty high up in the company, he said to me, like, um, I never minded watching you walk away, but now I really enjoy it. And I was like, oh, oh my god!" Am I supposed, I think I'm supposed to, like, report that, but I'm yeah, not. Yeah, like, what do but I do? Like, maybe I'm I didn't g- hear that. I'm, I'm probably not going to report that, yeah. but <laughs> that felt gross. Um, mm-hmm. So lots of gross HR nightmares I, I feel like I've experienced. And as you just talk about, just, like, general, oh, let's start with, like, awareness, people. Um, things that you should or shouldn't say. If you wouldn't want your wife to overhear you saying it or your grandma, then probably, like, don't say it. Um, so any, Amy and Beth, like, any stories about being stereotyped or treated offensively over the years? I have one that was so bad. I was young, too, one of my first jobs, and it was this huge bank of just filing cabinets, right? You had to file incessantly all day long. And um, my coworker said to me, hey, you won't have to file so much if you go in to Ron, the boss, and give him a little back massage as you drop Stop his papers it. off. I was like, mm, things I'm not going to be doing today. Yeah, like, that's not happening. <laughs> massage so, or no massage? <laughs> no. Okay, that's a good. I'm proud of you. Good job. I'm like, wait, you did was not massage so it, right? I was so incensed. I was super incensed. But then another thing, too, yeah. is like, this is just a little stereotype thing, but I remember working at a manufacturing plant, and there were four women that worked there. The rest were men. So you were, you know, one of a few number. And I, um, we had daily meetings, right? And because I was the woman, they wanted me to take the notes. But I was on equal footing with them all. Yeah. I'm like, mm, no, we're going to rotate this, this task. But women are better at typing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're like, more we, detailed. We don't have good handwriting. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. the handwriting. Yeah. Yes. Women have better handwriting. So, but it was really, I was shocked at that. Really. Yeah. I'm like, well, we're equal, and I'm not gonna just take notes. Thank you. Yeah. It's it's funny, like you know, I engage with a lot of different people and who've had such terrible experiences as women, and I had a very different experience. Because remember, I worked in retail. I worked for Nordstrom for 18 years, and it's 70%, if not a little higher, female, right? So, yes, the, there's a lot of executive team members that are male, and you know, but I think the males that work there were used to growing up in that company and spending a lot of time with female coworkers. And I, I know it happened. I was in HR. I dealt with situations where harassment did happen. I 
never had a lot of the female situations. Um, I had a lot of age stuff. So like what you said, it, it's just someone who is younger in the company and listen, I'm never going to complain about looking a few years younger than I actually am. <laughs> and so I was never insulted when people were like, wait a minute, I want to talk to the store manager. I'm like, that's me. And they're like, no. I mean, the real store manager, not the assistant. The like, real. No, no, I'm the real. There's only one, and it's me. You know, how can I help you? And it's just funny, all those years I got that a lot, you know, from people. Or when I was the HR director, like, what? I'm like, I've been here, like, 15 years at this point, guys. Like, I'm qualified yeah. for the job. Um, but it just is funny because whether I was 25 or 35, you know, I was still like qualified. qualified to do right. the job, right? So it, it does make you think, and that's why I think I'm still so passionate about work and DEI and DID and all this stuff is just, you know, what does it matter, right? Like, what does it matter? My ability to do the job, my capabilities, my competencies, you know, my skills have nothing to do with how old I am, with what race I am, with what gender I am, with my sexual orientation. That's the point, right? Yeah. Like, why is all of this happening? Why is there even a question? And I think it's just so important for us to continue as HR professionals and as leadership and to help our leadership that we work with really embrace some of these topics because they're hard conversations to have if they haven't had a good culture. Um, but they're so important because there is a lot of inequity out there. There's mm -hmm. a lot of it. And, you know, I hope that we can kind of help with some of that. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and bring in our special expert guest, Joe Conway. Joe, come on in. Hey. So glad to have you. Thank Hello, you. Joe. Yeah, I'm already nervous. I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, Matt Myla, I heard, is uh, really good at editing the uh, editing the role. So whatever you need to take out, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt, leave it all in. <laughs> um, so uh, Joe Conway uh, is, like I said, an expert in his field. Uh, I went back and looked at all your profile, and I'm probably going to miss something impressive. But he worked his way up through the chain of operations and healthcare leadership. Um, and then transitioned to a newly created role as Novant Health Director of Health Equity and Human Experience, which I love that title. Um, and then he's a glutton for punishment. He transitioned to another newly created role, um, but this just means he's an innovator into the city of Wilmington, North Carolina's Chief Equity and Diversity Officer. And so um, you're a connector, you're a thinker, you're a phenomenal social media contributor. Um, and someone who loves to give back. I, I love all your volunteer um, uh, efforts that you're up to. So thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. And I'm thrilled to be here. Good. <laughs> I mean, I've been following your LinkedIn posts. You oh, say no. some, like, pretty damn, like, mic drop. You know, yeah. Some of your stuff. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hopefully I still have a job after this. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. We won't get you in trouble. No, I know you. Um, honestly, what we're trying to do is keep people out of trouble. So, That's like, right. when you think about HR nightmares, I mean, this topic can be really heavy. And so um, when we think about all, all of the initiatives that you successfully created when you were at NHRMC or Novant and that you're probably g going to be creating relatively quickly with the city of Wilmington, like, um, when you think of HR nightmares related to diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, like, what comes to mind? Well, some of the first things that come to mind actually is leadership, right? So where is your leadership? I, I like the conversation that was going on earlier. How is this threaded throughout the organization? What happens? But it's been simple things of just not being able to relate to your employees or calling things out. You all called out some amazing things that kind of belittle people, kind of uh, talk down to them, put them in, you know, 
we would say put them in their place. At right. least that's mm-hmm. the perspective of the leader. But I think one of the things you got to look out for is, you know, I, I, I love the fact that you called out, you know, the age thing or the beauty thing. Um, for me, you know, and, and me specifically, what has happened to me is, oh, you're so articulate. So we've heard that a lot from, <laughs> from minorities. Um, or you don't sound black or you don't sound a particular way like you're from this part of the country or whatever the case might be. And then the other one that's really got me is um, when I've been interviewed for jobs. Uh, you know, he says Joseph Conway or Joe Conway. If you don't want to know my middle name, it's Joseph Leonard Conway. <laughs> Thank you. So then, all, <laughs> so then all of a sudden I walk into the room and they're like, you're Joe? Yeah, all of this is Joe. All of this <laughs> wow. is Joe. And I think it's sometimes what we read on applications. So I've been part of interview processes where they remove names, where they remove faces, and you're candidate A or candidate B. I think that's really innovative for companies to yeah. do that. And not until you get later in the game do you actually see who you're actually hiring. So I, I think companies need to be cautious about the unspoken, unspoken body language. You know, we just give it off. And then I think the other thing, too, is just be cognizant of who you're talking to. Yeah. You know, if, if it's not embedded in your company, don't fake it. I mean, just go ahead and embrace the fact that we've got some work to do and then start doing the work. For yeah. people who are listening that yeah. have been in your shoes, they're like, oh, you're so articulate or, oh, you're Joe. Like, how do you respond to that? Like, what's a good way to respond to that? Me? You want to know what I actually Yeah. Smile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is no, I think, any response um, I mean, you got to be cautious with those too, right? Because in an interview process, you want the job, right? right. So you, <laughs> you think you do, me. yeah. I mean, and, and I like kind of what you all even indicated a little bit earlier. I mean, sometimes you just got to smile and go with it. But as I've grown in this particular role, it is also pulling that leader aside, yeah. And say, do you understand how that sounded? How that probably came across? And let's just face it, too. I've learned along this journey. I mean, I am of one particular demographic. I am one person of many buckets. So I've learned along the way, too. There have been times when Joe didn't always say the right thing. And I have a really good colleague who's a part of our LGBTQ community. And I actually made a statement in a meeting where I implied that it was a choice. And she got up, walked out, and I was like, hey, Uh where where are you going? Are you okay? And she says, yeah, I'm fine. I'll be right back. But I just want to let you know something. It's not a choice. And she walked out the Mm -hmm. room. Now, this was said in front of 16 of my colleagues, three of whom were VPs. So... You know, when you're, when you're in that mode, how do you recover from that? And the yeah. first thing I said is, I have a lot to learn still. Yeah. And I apologize to my colleague, who's, uh, you know, still my friend to this day. So I think one of those things is forgive yourself, keep <laughs> moving, keep going. You're not going to get it all right. But at the same time, acknowledge what your tendencies are, what your biases are. And I think that's the other thing. We really don't understand who we are. And if you, if you don't get that part that we have this tendency to be biased in one way or another, regardless of where you're from, then I think you're at a learning curve. And I think you have to do something different with the leadership for them to get that, you know, at least be aware and become conscious of what they're actually doing. And this is in the interview process. This is when I'm one-on-one with you and I'm giving you an evaluation. Mm-hmm. This could be anything. But those moments when you're privately alone with, a, with an uh, employee or, or direct report, I think you have to even be more consciously aware of what you're doing. Yeah. That's just so good. I mean, all the unconscious bias, Mm -hmm. that's probably one of the first steps is taking leaders through what it even looks like and using examples that you gave. People don't see it. They don't understand what, what they said. So it's like until they see it, they really can't change and grow from it. That's right. 
Um, and I think that companies and employees, too, as companies are learning and trying to do better, we all have to give each other grace that we're not going to get it right. I'm sure I said many things over the years that offended somebody, right. not intentionally whatsoever, but intention really doesn't matter if the person was offended in the end. That's right. So it's just an ongoing, we all have to learn and make mistakes and stumble through it and get better. Yeah. Do you ever think, this is <clears throat> one of my ideas, and I'm not sure if it's right, but it seems like if you are insulated and if you have not really traveled or met a lot of people outside mm. of your circle, you might tend to have these biases because you just really don't know. Right. And it seems like the growth in Wilmington, more people are coming from the outside coming in. So do you feel like we're going to get better at this? <laughs> uh, well, just keep in mind with each new person that moves to the area, they bring their biases. Yeah, with them. yeah, <laughs> that's true. But I feel like it's just like if you do, if you only know people from the south, if you only know people yeah. from Wilmington, and you yeah. don't know someone from Oregon or right. from you know Rome, Italy, or whatever, you really I don't know. I think it's it's just it's more experiential. If you, the more people you experience. Possibly, you would have. Hopefully, I feel like I agree with that. You know? Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think that I always wave the caution flag. I never toss the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> so I, I I agree with that because our area has become quite progressive mm -hmm. a, a lot more since I moved here in two thousand seven, mm -hmm. um, and so that has probably enabled me in a huge way to have the success. Uh, that I've had in my own organization and success I, I dream of having with the city, though that is a, a different animal. I think the caution with that, though, is like, for instance, myself, I grew up in Columbia, Maryland, okay? Ooh. From Albany, New York, you know, mom was in the military, moved to Columbia, Maryland. Plan yeah. City, that's where the, the Rouse Company pretty much brought yep. people from different backgrounds mm -hmm. all together and forced them to get along, and it, it pretty much worked. Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> um, I didn't know color was even a thing. I mean, I knew my color, but I tell people often, I didn't know my color until I was like 19 years old because it really wasn't pointed out to me in a negative way. Yeah. Until I had a roommate in college in Jacksonville, Florida, who kind of blessed me a little bit and said, you know what, that relationship that you're in with that young lady, she's not of your race. Uh, that's against God. That's against, mm. okay. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was a wow for me, too, because I had never heard that before right. and didn't know that God chose his favorites. Um, so, but okay, <laughs> based on color alone. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was a newsflash to Joe, but that really began to weigh on me a little bit to say, you know what, let's figure this thing out. And so as I began to, you know, just mature and move, um, I, I understood that I, too, carried my biases with them, and so do other people. So I think one of the other things that you all actually hit on is inclusion, right, inclusivity. I really try super hard to let you be you in your space. And I think the more each of us can begin to do that, the better off we'll be. Now, that's within reason because you're in corporate America. You can't let them be totally themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> there, are some, right. <laughs> there are some rules. Um, <laughs> but, but for the most part, who you are, how you express yourself, how you approach your work doesn't have to be Joe's way all the time. As a matter of mm -hmm. fact, I'm a strategic thinker, but you come up with the method. I'll support that. And if we fail, we fail together, right? Um, but at the end of the day... I think creating that safe space, what I see was really missing in our in our corporate um, environments. Uh, so this is HR nightmares. Yeah. Is we don't create those inclusive those inclusive environments where folks can still be themselves without having to worry about oh, am I going to be judged for this? Trust me, I have already been in conversations where I've heard some of the bias slip out of the mm -hmm. mouth. Right? What do I do in that moment? I let it go. And I'm taking inventory. 
because I'm in a new environment. Right. So right now I'm just taking inventory. You're telling me a little bit about who you are, and I know how to approach you now. And at some point I'm going to have to pull the trigger and say, you know what, Lisa, let's ha- let's talk. Can we talk? <laughs> you know, <Just> God. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, right, and I want you to get. And it's not for me to correct you or to report you to HR. Look, that's the last thing I mm-hmm. want to do in my particular role. What I want to do is unpack a few things with you and say, you know what, Beth, where 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 did you grow up? I want to hear about where you came from because there may be a reason you're using a particular word that may be offensive to me, mm-hmm. but you know, I really don't know why. Yeah. And you may not know why either. Exactly. Mm. I like that That's kind so of interesting. Yeah. I yeah. think if you are a decent person and you want to do good in wor- in the world and good in in your life, it does seem like having that approach is just the right way to be. Yeah. You know, it's not um it's not punitive. People make mistakes, and they might not know that they're making a mistake. Well, that so doesn't put them on the defensive yeah, either. Yeah, I love that approach. Right. Yeah. Right. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a question. Okay, so this is something, um, you know, I'm, like, going to draw a blank now. But I have, I'm curious, like, you talked a little bit about, you know, we talked in our last episode, we were talking about COVID, and, like, our personal opinions of COVID versus, right, like, how right. we think we should respond to it in a corporate world. And so... It's that same thing. So I had a situation recently and um, with a client I was working with, and they had a couple of employees that were bringing a, making a lot of religious comments, right? Mm-hmm. So this is very specific HR nightmare kind of thing. But, yes. you know, in, in, on her employee review kind of even wrote, um, well, I, I don't work for you. I work for God. So that will lead me to the right way, right? So it's like mm. – how do you embrace someone? It's like you want to them to be their authentic selves. You want them to be able to bring their beliefs and who they are to work. Right. But also make sure you're providing this inclusive culture for everyone right. and not everyone has that belief, right? So how what would you approach that kind of conversation? Are you saying that the supervisor wrote that on? As the a- employee wrote that into like feedback in her review. So the supervisor then kind of was like, what do I do with this? <laughs> review of the supervisor? Well, it was it was more like commenting on okay. the review. So she's like, do oh. I just leave it? Like she was making comments on her review. Do I just ignore it? Or right. is it like a... Well, I need her to understand though she does work for us. Like, you know, like she didn't know it was it was just a general kind of what should I do with this? All right, so and, I have a huge religious background that shall not be come out here. But um I I, I will tell you that I uh, so let me relate it to a situation that I was in. Okay. So there is an internal communication yammer. I'm pretty mm-hmm. much you guys are mm-hmm. familiar oh, with I that. Am, I am system. Oh, yeah. Yes, pretty much. And um, I had made a comment in reference to, you know, support for uh, our LGBT community and and supporting initiatives that we were doing inside of the organization. And another individual um, responded, well, you know, you know, God does not approve of that. I mean, on this platform. Oh, well. Right. So the whole organization. So it wasn't just a one-on-one to you. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness gracious. So. Put it out there. Yeah, just put it out there. But, you know, I'm creating that safe space, Mm -hmm. right? So we can have these conversations. So I said, you know, I really appreciate your comments. And I'm not sure that everyone would necessarily agree with you, but we respect your comments and we can continue this dialogue, you know, over lunch or offline. Oh, no, I responded. And guess what? Responded right back online and then started quoting verses. And so at that point, I went ahead and contacted them via email because mm-hmm. I'm not going to respond the second no. time. Right, it's not working. right. <laughs> and I had a very interesting conversation with this individual who did have a very strong religious background. 
And I, I challenged them how I would have challenged them back when I was in full-time ministry. And I said, I want you to consider something. I said, A, there's a couple of things, if you don't mind me just saying this just a little bit, where, you know, who made man? If you believe that God made man, uh, then you understand also the principle that God made man in his own image. So which image are you going to take out that God doesn't approve of? Or which one did Christ not die for? Seeing how he was a Christian, I went down the Christian route. Just pick one. And then furthermore, when Christ walked the earth, he was found with publicans and sinners. So the category that you're putting these people into, is Christ going to affiliate himself more with you, or is he going to affiliate himself more with the LGBT community who you think, you think, are sinners? And it really put him in a perspective. And all I was trying to do, I wasn't trying to challenge his faith. I'm not trying to make him quit church. Right, <laughs> right, right. What I'm trying to do is to get him to think about what he's actually saying, okay? And because I have a, you know, a theological background, went to school for it, and I'm an ordained minister, I get it. But I wanted him to really think about where he put himself and where he's putting his colleagues. Which mm-hmm. one of them is he not going to deliver service to because he just found out that they're part of this community that he doesn't agree with. Right. And I will tell you, in healthcare, we don't get that option. Mm-hmm. If you walk through our doors, regardless of what my personal beliefs are, we take care of everybody. Take care of you. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a yeah. question, though. So not everybody, what, like even hearing you say that, I'm like, wow, I, I would be scared to have that conversation. So do you think it's better to um, have a conversation where, like, if I stepped in, if I, if I was Joe, Joe wasn't there, but I'm Joe, and I'm, like, responding, and then I'm reaching out to this guy on the side, do you think it's better to kind of, like, screw up the words and my language but address it, or do you think just move on and hopefully it'll go away? Well, here's the problem with that approach. It's not going to go away. And my, my fear in that particular situation was how many other people in our organization was this gentleman going to come in contact with? What, when is the next time he's going to run into a patient mm-hmm. or a patient's family member? So there are repercussions for us as professionals not dealing with a problem. Much like in healthcare, I mean, I can deny that there's nothing wrong with me, but if there are certain secretions coming out of my body that are not normal, <laughs> it's time to go to the doctor. Yeah, Because the longer I ignore it, don't do anything about it, it festers, it gets worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And so it is with people issues. And I'm talking about HR management issues. I, I cannot tell you the number of leaders, just in the last, mm, let's just say six months or so, that I dealt with who were in just communication, practical conversation situations with uh, their direct reports, who fell outside of being able to convey to that direct report exactly what they needed to hear, nor were they competent enough to understand the situation that that direct report was in. So as many times we just want to go by the data or by the facts, mm-hmm. or HR, yeah. just give yeah. me the facts. <laughs> it's the relationships. Yeah. But it's not, it's, it's the relationships mm-hmm. and it's the stories that go along with it. Yes. You know, so I'll, I'll tell you about another Joe screw-up. And this is back when I was an EVS operations manager. EV, tell us what EVS is. EVS is environmental services. So basically housekeeping, laundry, and linen okay. at the yeah. hospital. Um, and I had a, uh, a female employee who um, looked like to me wasn't doing her job, right? So I'm, I'm the boss. I'm going to go up and check them <laughs> I had four supervisors, but I had to go up and check yeah, them yeah. Um So I, I went into a room, and I, and I saw her um, on a cell phone. Um, and, yeah, it's housekeeping, so you got to get that room turned over so we can admit another patient. And I asked her, I said, hey, what are you doing? He said, well, I had to just make this quick call. I said, well, you know, your, your, your numbers are down here, your numbers are down here. 
And, and you know, I, I've been watching you and other staff members for a long time. I really think, you know, you need to take care of this distraction. And, and, and I, what I want you to do is I want you to put your cell phone away. But the way that I said it, you would not believe this guy did it. Oh, yes, this guy very much so did it. Don't forget my military background. <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know, I'm standing in my director's office. Mm. So it's it's not just what you say. It's how not just how it. you say it. And it's that too. But I think also listening, mm-hmm. listening to people. And our relationship as HR practitioners is we deal with all aspects of people. We don't just go by the data. We don't just go by the facts. People are not facts and figures. Mm-hmm. They're just not. Well, I mean, I've had experiences when, you know, someone's performance is off. And you would, if you only looked at the facts, you'd be like, oh, well, this person isn't performing. They need to get out or we need to write them up. But they were going through like a horrible divorce. There you go. Horrible custody thing. And guess what? By showing them empathy and trying to work with them, giving them a little bit of of a break and just being human, they were able to get through that. And then they were a great employee. I mean, they they maintained their great status as a great employee, but they just had a blip in their personal life that was affecting their job. Yeah. And Beth, you, you hit it. Human. Right. It's called right. human relations. Yeah. They're <laughs> yeah. trying to change that though. Yeah. Oh, where, where are we people trying to go? In, people in culture. People in culture. Yeah. yeah. Even worse. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> it's like, what does that mean? Yeah. I mean, people, culture, well, here's, here's, here's newsflash, <laughs> right? Excited. Right. Culture. Each of us has our individual right. culture. Right. Yeah. And then when we come together, we form a brand new culture. Uh, and we know that Culture eats strategy for lunch, mm-hmm. <laughs> breakfast and dinner. Um, so good luck with that. Right. Right. So if you really want to become a people and culture person, you really need to slow down. Yeah. yeah. It's time to slow down. Yeah. Well, I used to always kind of approach, you know, any employee situation. I was always in the mindset of like, let them talk first. Right. And and it would maybe start with me saying, I'm seeing some something like this. Right. And like, what's happening? What's going on? Yeah, what's like, going on with you? I would always let them speak first and then get to what kind of the solution, the problem all, you know, really looked like on our end because that's how you kind of opened it up for them, like disclosing that divorce mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. childcare issue. You know, it's like if if you go right in, right. you know, finan- financial you? hardships. Hey, I need I you just... to get off the phone, right? Yeah. And you're instead being like, hey, I noticed you're on the phone a lot. You know, like, what's happening? Right. What's going on? Yeah. Um, oh, I lost daycare uh, for yeah, my kid. After yeah. school's Imagine gone that. and I'm checking yeah. in with grandma. Sick who's parent. I have kid. to check in every day. You know, it's amazing the things you learn by just yeah. saying, like, what's going on? One tip. So this was something that um, – uh, I, we just talk about just awareness and inclusivity and kind of like being aware of the, your own mistakes. Um, I, I used to ask like newly married people all the time. And, and I, I know people do this all the time. Like, oh, when are you going to have kids? Oh, you're going to have kids? <sighs> like, oh, are you going to, are you guys going to have any kids? That'd be so cute. <laughs> like I stopped asking people that children. and then they can't have kids. Like, yeah, uh, like you know, yeah. sh- I, I struggled with, you know, several miscarriages myself. And after that, I was like, I am never asking people yeah. like, and, and I'm going to highly recommend to everyone in my life that they don't ask yeah. <laughs> newly married folks. Are you, are you going to have any yeah. kids? It's not as like innocent of a question and it's definitely not inclusive or or something Um, i've gotten since i moved to north carolina a lot like where's my husband where's my boyfriend (laughs) i'm like well i've never had one i've never had a husband you know like it's just that assumption that i didn't when i was living in washington dc that was not surprising uh 
40-year-old female who wasn't married, right? But down here, it's become a little bit different. It's like, (laughs) that's the number one question. When am I getting married? Well, I better find a boyfriend first, you know? like Before they start shopping for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. (laughs) (laughs) I I am always shopping. (laughs) I am taking suggestions. All right. (laughs) That's something that I think is interesting. I don't know if you will, too. But my mom worked um, at the paper in town years ago, years ago. And diversity is sometimes, I think people tend to think of it as race. Yeah. You know, that's the mm, thing. Yeah. But when we started to talk about, she was having some problems at work, just not kind of clicking with the group. And she was the sole person that was married, owned a house, went to church. Um, I think there were like a number, had children. And so all of her team was completely different from her, but they were all the same race. Mm. And so I think that that's always an important thing, too, is that diversity is not just race. No. It's just a diversity of experiences and where you are. And I, I think that that's important, especially when mm-hmm. small business owners are like, oh, this is going to be this huge project. It's really it's really not. You right. know, it's just having more divergent thought really enhances your business. Absolutely. So. And it's understanding, I mean, to, to just ride on those coattails there, it's, it's, it's understanding that all of us are in multiple buckets. I think many mm-hmm. times we look at people, we hear what comes out of folks' mouth and we're, we're thinking towards, oh, I know who you are. No, you really, really mm-hmm. don't. No, you yeah. really don't. So just, just, just kind of keeping those things in mind. Yeah. Sometimes um, this subject, diversity, inclusion, belonging, awareness, equity, um, people try to turn it into like some kind of like liberal agenda. This is mm. like a liberal agenda right. or it could be political. So how do we separate um, this workplace uh, Basically, it's a whole function, topic, initiative, programs um, from politics. Hmm. That is a great question. <laughs> um, first of all, it's you know I I, I would go the route of uh, it's not political. Poli- politics is one of the buckets. Going back to the bucket thing. Right? Yeah. I may be Republican, Democrat, and in my case, I'm unaffiliated because I got tired of Republicans and. I didn't want to be. It's a, probably better for your job anyway. A, absolutely. People are like Googling you right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it, yeah. And we got tired of the noise between the two parties. You know, yeah. I'm waiting for that all to be done away with, but we'll be waiting a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good luck. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it is it is not political. People want to be respected for who they are and how they show up. And I think once you drive it back there, you get it off the political wheel, if you will. But you're going to have to reinforce it by living it, by teaching it, by as a leader reinforcing it in your conversations with mm-hmm. your direct reports, you cannot ever let it be the defining factor that's being driven by one party over another and then pitting the two parties against one another. It, just think about who you are. If I were to ask every single one of you about your experiences, who you are, what you bring to the table, you're going to tap into each one of those buckets along your journey, mm-hmm. and that makes you very unique. So for me to sit here and say, oh, it's three white women. Oh, well. Here we are. You know, I know how they are. Right? Because you wouldn't know us. Correct. You just are looking at something that's really superficial. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, you know, it, my responsibility as an, as an outside looking in or looking on is to slow down. Don't make any assumptions about anyone. So get it off the political wheel. It's not political for me to be black or for you to be white or female, male, gay, mm-hmm. whatever the case might be. It's not. So stop making it about that. That's not what politics is about. Our society has made it about that, but resist that. Yeah. Because people want to go there real quick, but that's not fair. 
Yeah. I think it's been hard. You know, I don't know if you experience this in any businesses that we support or you even in the corporations you've been in. You know, I was in a corporation where we had a measurement for diversity, right? Mm. I don't know that they have this still, but it was people of color versus not people of color, right? So that's where I think we we get into trouble a little bit with diversity when we're only looking at that metric yes. and we know like yes it's important and it gives us a line of knowing like we need to be promoting people and we look at it for certain reasons um but it's like we looked at male versus female probably There's too it might be the like only thing age. but we did not yeah. look at yes. age Gen- you, know? Gen- you know yeah we didn't look at age we and, but then it's like okay so those are three you know how many identities and classifications there are out there? We're not measuring people's sexual orientation, right? No. So it's like – but but it's – so it's it was always that, like, divide of HR of, like, ooh, in your gut, you're like, oh, we should be looking at all these different mm-hmm. things. But then also, like, but it is important to still look at that, yes. right? And yes. it is still important for us to, yes. you know, measure that we're promoting people of all colors, you know, right. and we're hiring people of all – so I don't know. Have you any of you kind of dealt with that that struggle of like internally, like, ooh, is that the measurement? One thing I think is interesting is when I've worked in not, in the nonprofit sector. <clears throat> one thing is really important there is to make sure that your staff is sort of emblematic or sort of matches who you're service, yeah. who you're serving. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's a really important thing. And I think that sometimes was we did look at that in terms of race. Yeah, you know, if we yeah. if we had a big, you know, African-American population that we were serving, and we were all, you know, white, middle-aged people, were we really serving their needs? If we were, you know, young kids, you know. Yeah. I think one thing for all of us to be cognizant of, so you're, you know, back to the HR nightmares thing that we're all talking about here, be very careful about the numbers game. Mm -hmm. Um, We can get in trouble with that. So I, I agree, we should track the numbers, black, white, male, female, um, I would love to see the LGBTQ as an optional question right, on the application right. process. And by the way, first to take the check the box off if you've been a felon or not. Get that letter. <laughs> um, so because they've paid their debt to society, so what are we doing? We'll have to have them back onto our criminal yeah, episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll have you on the background. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe I said the wrong thing. Help well, me out. Well, no, okay, <laughs> you're good. All right. Um, but I, I think you play that numbers game maybe to get started. But the, the real thing is diversify the candidate pool. And you and I have talked about this offline. One, the moment you diversify the candidate pool, if then you still see we're heavily white or heavily black, all depending on the population, then you may have another issue going on there or more men than women, like in the IT, you know, mm-hmm. the tech world. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll never forget dealing with one leader who was um, a woman and she was over 19 guys, but she was like this outlier within the IT space um, and, and there was stories there, right? Yeah. How how she get the role? Blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. That's an HR nightmare for sure. <laughs> but but um, the only thing I will say with that is, you know, just let's just be careful about playing the numbers game. Right, we call exactly. that mirroring. We want to reflect the community that we were taking care of. You can play that for a while. It's there's some easy wins there. We say easy, but not really because yeah, recruitment yeah. is tough. Yeah. Um, but. Let's just be cognizant of that as we as we move forward, that there are bigger fish to fry. And really, it's about providing opportunities internally, externally, pipeline programs. There are ways of reaching those numbers that I think we haven't fully explored uh, to its full potential. Yeah. I think really you good. bring up a really good point um, with women and STEM education. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like that's they're always tending to be less... Um, 
represented, maybe. You yeah. know, maybe the opportunities aren't there for them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned something about I'd like to see sexual orientation as an optional question on the application. So it's funny. I have um, somebody that works for me at a client in, in an HR department. She mentioned that as she was applying for a job recently with some like a food delivery corporation mm-hmm. that they asked her some what she felt like were pretty invasive questions. And she couldn't believe they were asking on an application, one of which was, do you consider yourself um, straight, gay, trans, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like that freaked me out. I was like, yeah. "That's an HR nightmare." Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it sounds like, it like you may you may think that that that's something that maybe we should be exploring doing as an optional question. Talk I to me about that. Totally agree. It should be optional. So yeah. just much like when I'm asked, "What race are you?" Right. Yeah. I don't have to fill that out if right. I don't want to. So I think you you leave it the same way. And if I, as the applicant, am offended, I think I need to read what's in parentheses behind the sexual orientation question. Optional. Just like behind the race question. Optional. And I think the more we begin to do it, the public will eventually get used to it. The more other companies come together and do that, the more we'll get used to it. So it's just like the question that we used to ask you in healthcare. Have you been out of the country in the last 30 days? (laughs) And everybody was like, why do you want to know that? It's none of your business where I've been. Well, because of this going on. Right, right. right, And then now, but you go into a healthcare clinic. Science. and it's like, you don't even think about it. No, yeah. I haven't been out of state in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Leave me alone. Yeah. I went to you know? Florida. Does that yeah. count? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Florida, <laughs> my yeah. Yeah. Right. So it is a way of almost like, if, if we put it out there, is that the normal thing to be asked? And does Correct. it create this environment that people are more comfortable yes. showing who they really are? Correct. Yeah. Yes. That's good. Yeah. If you had a tip on like how to adjust just like our everyday conversations, because if, I, if I'm an employee listening to this that works for a small business or I'm a small business owner and I'm like, hey, I don't have all these resources that like the city of Wilmington or the hospital systems have, like how do we just adjust our own conversations on a daily basis to do better? So I, I think it starts with you as the leader. Be vulnerable and be transparent to your comfort level. I mean, I'm extremely comfortable with it, so I probably make a lot of other people feel uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, But do your comfort level and start small. I always say aim small, miss small, and slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Right? So don't don't rush into it. And it could be something like starting out every, you know, departmental meeting or maybe you have daily huddles for 10 to 15 minutes with an icebreaker. You know, tell them a little bit something about yourself. Because trust me, people love being experts about themselves. True that. And if you start with yourself, They'll pick up like, why is Lisa coming in every day, you know, in our huddle? And she's telling us a little bit something different about her life and how she grew up. And I know more about Lisa than I care to know. And then eventually one day Lisa (laughs) walks in and says, hey, you know, guys, I've I've, I've done this by example. I feel real comfortable. Does anybody want to share anything about themselves? I guarantee you somebody's going to raise their hands. You know what? I'd like to share this about myself. And now you've broken the ice on this inclusion piece. Always go after inclusion before you go after diversity and before you go after equity. You can't build any of those things until you right. get a couple of bricks in the ground first. So start laying down some bricks mm-hmm. by starting with those inclusive conversations and allow people to express. Don't just ask, what'd you do this weekend? No, I went to the beach. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, not really, you know. But it all pieces, like what you were saying, it really is based on trust. You know, That's what if you're you, trying to build. Yeah, if you just all of a sudden throw out there, like, tell me every single thing about your life, you'd oh. be like, like, <laughs> like, I would just be so, I, 
I don't know. I do, but so in this no, well, I get to know somebody. Yeah, and I'm just like I put all the trust out there, like from the get go. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. But um, I have a client. They have a really good practice that's in line with this. And every uh, week when they get together for their huddles or their staff meetings, they start by going around the call and saying, "Tell me about one personal win in the last week and one professional win," and it can be small. And it's like. Hey, my daughter turned five this week, and that was that five is a really big number in our family. And so we're, we're going to the gymnastics place. And my professional win was I got a new direct reporter, I hired a recruiter, you know. So, like, and that helps. They're just little things that open. Uh, my mom always uses opens the kimono. That's probably like a no no to say, but <laughs> <laughs> HR nightmare. Yeah. Uh, Let's get your mom in here right yeah. now. <laughs> mom! Sorry. Um, so anyway, yeah, just little things that open open yourself up and make yourself a little bit better known to your staff and help them. So. Um, what else? Any other questions for Joe? You've got a big job ahead of you. I'm I'm trying to now, like, recap all my, like, takeaways. But you said, I don't, we'll have to talk after. I have something for you. But, yeah. The one thing, the takeaway, uh, and I want to wrap up all these episodes with key takeaways. I like what you just said just a couple minutes ago, which is, if you're going to tackle any of this stuff, start with inclusion. Um, Inclusion first. The rest of the stuff um, comes, comes next. And then if you make a mistake, say, I have a lot to learn. I'm sorry. And apologies go a long way. So um, we're all going to mess up if we're trying to do. Um, but, you know, little, what did you say? Small small efforts, small losses. Like, <laughs> I don't know what aim, words. You, aim small, miss small. Aim small, miss small. Okay, I like that. So, um, yeah, thank you. Anything you want to leave us or our listeners with as far as um, ways to just do a little bit better? And, and how do we know if we're doing enough? Well, so this is personal. And, um I'll leave you with this tip. So I have a, I think as leaders, we need to understand what our purpose is. Um, I came up with a life purpose statement over 25 years ago, and I've lived by it ever since. Um, And my life's purpose statement is to foster an environment for your success. It's not about me. It's about what, it's about really you and what I can do for you and how I can get you from here to here. And in order to do that, you know, Beth, you, you hit on it again. It's about relationships. And what, are, what is the foundation of every relationship out there? Trust. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to trust me when you first meet me or get to know me. But as we continue to have these engaging, inclusive conversations, guess what? That trust, tree, flower, whatever begins to grow and bloom. And so once we trust each other to a level of sharing what is important to you, that's where my job comes in and I can begin to help you get to whatever that level is. I want people to stand on my shoulders. I don't mind being the base. I know my place. So I, I would leave everybody with that and find your purpose as a leader. My purpose is not your purpose. You know, maybe your purpose is, my purpose is staying on Joe's shoulders. That's what my purpose <laughs> is. Uh, and that's fine because Joe's willing to be there for you. But what is your purpose? And don't let anybody deter you from why you're here and why you were created. Awesome. So awesome. good. Joe Conway. Yeah. You all should follow him on, on LinkedIn. He puts some good words out there. Good content. Yeah. <laughs> also follow Leith HR Group and Work Talk. Check us out, leithhrgroup.com, worktalk.com. Um, don't forget to subscribe to HR Nightmares on YouTube and listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day.